0: Tuesday on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Um, Hope you guys are having a good one out there. Short week as it is, um, probably for a lot of you as well. I'm going to take part of the week off. I think there'll still be a Thanksgiving Day show just because there's enough content uh, to warrant that. I want to be able to set up the uh, Gophers Badgers football game on Saturday. So I think I'll have Randy Johnson. And his regular appearance happen on that Thursday show, but that'll be the last show of the week. No show Friday. And we'll take that through the weekend and come back on Monday. Um, good stuff today, though, and the rest of the week coming up in a little bit here. Um, Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune joins me to talk Vikings, talk, um, you know, that loss to the Broncos, what we saw in the film review. Joshua Dobbs, uh, the running game was good, the turnovers were bad. What are we what are we looking at? What what might other teams copy? What might the Vikings be able to take with them the rest of the season based on what happened in that Broncos game? I have some Vikings poetry at the end of the show. I have a limerick as part of it this time, um just to whet your appetite for poetry, which I'm sure you uh, you are ready for. This week, um, got some plenty, plenty of other stuff at the end of the show as well. Some news about a big hit Josh Dobbs took in that Denver game. And one of the coolest plays I've ever seen attempted in the Monday Night Football game on, uh, on Monday is when the Monday Night Football game was played uh Eagles beating the uh, the Chiefs in that game a good game rematch of the Super Bowl Eagles taking that one, even though Kansas City was kind of in command for most of that game got a Wolves thought here in a minute shocking right um first uh First wolves I've ever had, uh, not uh, not not really exactly, but they are the first place team in the Western Conference. We got to get to them. Although we'll get to them a whole bunch more on Wednesday's show when Jeff Day from the Star Tribune joins me. He's been we've been going back and forth on you know text messages, Slack, whatever, uh, direct messages um, about Carl Anthony Towns for a while now, and I feel like it's probably time to have him on the show because Towns has been on the heater. He was good again, really good again in the win over. Uh, Over New York on Monday night. We'll get to that here in a little bit. And then Jeff and I will go deeper on towns and the state of the Wolves on Wednesday's show. First, though, what I miss Joe Maurer on the Hall of Fame ballot. We knew this was coming. We knew he was Hall of Fame eligible this year, but ballots officially out now. Voting taking place in the next month or two. And then the new class, the 2024 Hall of Fame class, will be announced early in 2024 in the induction over the summer. I don't know what I've been torn on Maurer's candidacy pretty much ever since he retired. Maybe even late in his career. Um, you look at the you know all the statistical evidence, the the advanced stats, the kind of the seven year peak. He is a Hall of Famer, right? Like his Mauer at his best was as good as pretty much any catcher in. The modern game and even the non-modern game. I mean, he is up there, top five, top ten catchers of all time in terms of his peak. The question I have is still: Was his peak long enough? Did he do it for long enough? Do the does the three batting titles, the MVP, you know, the the unprecedented nature of those batting titles coming as a catcher, his defensive prowess, which we shouldn't forget, um, at his peak. Is that enough to offset the fact that it just wasn't for very long? It, it felt like it was for a decent amount of time. Like if you look at like twenty two thousand six through two thousand thirteen, he was really at the top of his game for almost all of those seasons. That's when he had all of his batting titles. That's when he was hitting three hundred most years. Had the MVP year in two thousand nine, coming back from that injury. Outside of that, though, you know, he had some injuries leading up to that point. Kind of a, no, not a slow start to his career, but, a you know, a wind-up that wasn't exactly um full blazing. And then, you know, the, the concussions forced to first base later in his career just didn't really have the last five years that he would have wanted or anybody would have wanted. So I look at that and I'm like, man, is Joe Maurer a Hall of Famer? No career Postseason RBIs no no real like signature moment in in those in those kind of cases no you know you just you don't really think of Joe Maurer in that context you think of him as steady steady excellence for you know a seven or eight year period I think he's gonna get in I don't know if he's gonna get in right away I think his reputation is obviously great what he did was great I just, he's such a fascinating Hall of Fame case to me. And, you know, if you just look at it like the eye test, if you just hear like Joe Maurer, Hall of Famer, like you can have instincts all over the map. I just think he's going to be a fascinating case to watch. If I had a vote, I don't know if I would vote for Joe Maurer. And that's not a knock on Joe Maurer. That's not a, it's just a, just a looking at it over the course of his career. I'd have to think about it. I'm still, like, I'm still torn about it. I still don't know. What to make of this career five years after it ended and now that he's on the ballot. I just don't quite know what to, how we, how we properly evaluate what Joe Maurer did. I'm, the voters are going to do it. We're going to talk about this way more, I'm sure, in the next few months, but he is on the ballot now. That just announced this week. That became official this week. A fascinating test case and we will hear more about that. I am very sure over the next few months. The Wolves, like I said, red hot. Right now, ten and three. They were one and two at one point. Means they're nine and one in their last ten. They've yet to lose at home. Six and zero at Target Center, and uh, they did it with offense. Did it with defense. Beat a good team. Beat the Knicks. Knicks were red hot coming in. They'd won a bunch of games in a row, and the Wolves just looked good again. Like you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna get up to this point now where yeah, thirteen games into the year. Okay, what's the sample size? When do you start? believing that this is legit. Um, it looks legit right now. Now, Jaden McDaniels hurt, hurt his ankle a little bit yesterday, so that'll be some depth to overcome. Um, you know, town, Carl Anthony Towns been on a real good roll. Things like that. How long do they sustain this level? But right now, look at them They're 10-3. Best record in the Western Conference. Um, you know, showing up in all of these lists. Like, Hey, are the are the Wolves one of the three, one of the five best teams in the NBA? Like right now, they're playing like it. Right now, they are playing like one of the three or three, four, five best teams in the NBA. And you look at the West, and you say, okay, outside of Denver, which you know Denver's the defending champs. Denver's still very good. The Wolves, yes, have beat them once this year, but Denver is still the team to beat until proven otherwise. Um, you know, Phoenix, awfully good. They're going to be fine once they sort it all out. But outside of those. Two teams, really outside regular season, outside of Denver. Who who scares you in the West? Who do you think is going to be there at the end of the year? Who's going to have the body of work at the end of the year? You can make a real good case that the Wolves will be right there at the end of the year. Now, playoffs are an entirely different thing, right? Playoffs, um, everything is magnified. One bad game can ruin your whole season if you're not consistent, if you're not focused, things like that. This team has shown more consistency and more focus so far this season. And you know, one thing that struck me when I was watching that Knicks game last night is that they've got you know they've got these these three max guys and McDaniel's got paid. They've got everybody on their roster right now is comfortable enough where they are individually in terms of compensation in terms of what they were chasing contractually, right? Edwards got paid this off-season, Towns got paid the off-season before, Gobert has been paid for a while. Conley is a veteran who's made all his money. McDaniel's got paid um you know, bench guys, Naz got his new deal, you know, Anderson's Anderson's got his money. I think there's something to be said for that. I think there's something to be said for not having to prove something as an individual in order to earn that new contract i feel like there's maybe a relaxation and ease that comes with okay i did what i needed to do to set myself up for life and beyond now let's play better team basketball i don't have to strain i don't have to be the hero i don't have to do this or that i can just play basketball play good team basketball I don't know if that's why we're seeing this from the Wolves this year. Maybe it's just, you know, year two maturity, things like that. But I feel like that's a part of it. I think like it's an underrated piece of how sports work. Like when you, when you arrive at that point, when you no longer have to feel like you're trying to achieve something individually, it unlocks what you're able to do as a team. And I think we're seeing some of that from the Wolves this year. And like I said, Jeff Day and I will get into it far more on Wednesday's show talking about towns and the ceiling for this Timberwolves team. But just something I was thinking about watching that game and where the Wolves are at right now, which is, to me, one of the five best, at least, teams in the NBA.
1: Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin.
0: All right, let's bring in Andrew Kramer to look back at the film. Vikings lose 21-20. to against the Broncos on Sunday night five game winning streak is over felt a lot like early in the year Andrew albeit with a different cast of characters on offense you know obviously no Kirk Cousins no Justin Jefferson in this game but the mistakes that they had largely been avoiding during the bulk of this streak and certainly since Joshua Dobbs arrived they all came back um, in this game against Denver
1: yeah, the fifth, I think it's the fifth opening drive turnover for them this year. Jeez. And O'Connell mentioned after the game, you know, it'd been a few weeks since we'd done that because um, you're right. They they kind of seemingly grown past that, matured past that, and it, it reared its ugly head. And O'Connell is no, he can't avoid the blame for that one. The third and one play call to put yeah. in, in that situation, in a game where you're already trying to, Uh, Dobbs talked about we challenged the offensive line before the game. We wanted to establish the line of scrimmage, establish the run, you know, take it over. And you do this trick play on on your first short yardage situation that gets you uh, gets the quarterback drilled. And actually, if you go back and watch the play, too, it was just poorly blocked, poorly executed. It looked like a play that the players were running it weren't comfortable with. Reisner misses the linebacker that leads to the initial hit on Dobbs and then Dobbs gets chased down from behind by an edge rusher that that Powell had pinned inside. But that all kind of comes together because they didn't block and your quarterback doesn't hold on to the football. So um, yeah, those issues start right from the the get go. Dobbs probably should have thrown an interception on the second drive. Yeah. But Justin Simmons drops it. Um, And then of course, they commit two more turnovers from there. And then just to go down the list too of stuff that, that you're that you write down while you're watching this. Two drop snaps, seven penalties on offense. Uh, One of those were were declined. Um, Inaccurate passes from Dobbs, um, not firing those things uh, on on target were allowing the receiver to run. There were certainly a couple plays there. And then he admitted at the end of the game, just poorly recognizing the blitzes that were coming that Denver sent. So there's certainly plenty of blame to go around. And it felt like this was kind of coming back to earth a little bit.
0: It did. I didn't love some of the design of stuff that was going on i mean they they gained almost 400 yards they ran the ball well so it wasn't like the offense was bad i just i felt like they knowing kind of what dobbs strengths are it felt like they were felt like the vikings were making him more of a pocket passer in this game than i remember him being in other games they weren't didn't feel like they were getting him out as much with a chance to kind of buy time make plays i mean he did some of that on his own in the first half but i just you know the the terrible third and one aside, I didn't
1: feel like this was their best game plan going in. Well, clearly what they wanted to do was, like we talked about, establish the run. They wanted to get Madison Chandler going, and they did that. I think it was in the first quarter it was 67 rushing yards on the first 10 carries for those guys. Yeah. The Vikings average... 86 rushing yards a game or something going into it so they were doing that and then the touchdown to josh oliver was a play action bootleg rollout where he's buying time sheds a guy who tries to tackle him and then finds that one so you saw what they intended to do and then i think as the game went along um dobbs wasn't finding those those throwing lanes down the field and the play action dried up and, and it turned into a shotgun kind of drop back game from there and you just saw that Patrick Sertan, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, who came back from a two-game suspension. These Broncos defensive backs in the secondary is pretty underrated and pretty good. Um, entering the game, it gets kind of blown over because of the 70-point Dolphins debacle that they gave up, but entering the game, they were allowing a league low, I think, 17 points per game uh, since that Dolphins game. So right. they've they've really turned it around and were playing well. And you got to credit Denver in that instance, but I do wonder why they didn't lean even more on the ground game. And I'm sure maybe Madison's fumble had something to do with that too in the third quarter.
0: And that was a killer. I mean, all three turnovers were tough. I mean, two of them in, you know, fairly deep in their own territory. The defense does well in both cases to to hold Denver to field goals. But the one where Madison fumbles, you know, 17-9 Vikings at that point, they're going, you know, they're in Denver territory, probably like in pretty close to field goal range, if not in field goal range already. And, you know, it came at the end of a, a fairly successful kind of series of runs. Like it felt like they were right on the verge of kind of taking control of the game at that point. You get points there in a game where points are hard to come by. You score a touchdown there. You know, it's, 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 it's feeling like not like curtains, but like it could be, you know, could be over. So, yeah, it's just, I think they had to, they had to walk out of there frustrated thinking we were the better team except for the turnovers. And that was very much, you know, an early, an early season kind of feel, uh, based on how it happened.
1: Well, and especially for Alexander Madison, if you just look at that play as a microcosm of his season, like it, it's been really disappointing, obviously, in a game where he's finally getting it going. It looks like, you know, this is what it looked like against the Chargers and the and the Panthers earlier in the season. And yeah, the Broncos are a bad rushing defense. It's why the Vikings wanted to do this. Like for, for as good as they are in the secondary, they're not good up front. They've traded away or cut everybody that was good for them in their front. And so they were able to control the line and run it. And Madison looked like, Hey, this is the get back on track rebound kind of game. And then he does that. And and that's something where earlier in the season he fumbled in Philadelphia. He put the ball on the ground twice against the Chargers that he got saved by the whistle um, because the play right. stopped. Um, the the coaching staff really challenged him after that. Like and then they traded for Cam Akers and they said, "Look, look, we're not going to keep playing you if this keeps happening." And he had a good stretch where at least the ball security was there, even if the production wasn't. And then now you finally get the production and then the ball security. But so it's just it's disappointing for him they really believed in him this season and thought he was going to and maybe they still do. Uh maybe this isn't going to be some big sea change to Ty Chandler, but I really like the way Ty Chandler looked and and I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of people on uh, TCO felt the same.
0: Yeah, although Chandler Chandler did some good things in the run game and did some okay things in the in the uh pass game and pass, you know, pass protection, but he also missed the block that led straight to that Dobbs interception where Dobbs gets hit, I think that was the play where you know, he's trying to catch a blitzing linebacker. You know, that's a it's a tall order. Like you you're asking yeah, a lot of sure. a running back to pick up a blitzing linebacker every time one on one, but you see maybe some of the steadiness that Madison brings, especially in that kind of situation. So it's like they don't have that kind of like they don't have that perfect solution at running back right now.
1: No, you're right. They don't. And, and Madison, CJ Ham, these are much preferred third down options. I thought Ty Chandler did show some things, some good blocks, yeah. like you said, but the inconsistency is just going to be there. And and the blocking was still inconsistent too. Like the the running that they had to create sometimes with Madison and one of his 15 yarders, I think six Broncos touched him. He was shedding yeah. guys left and right. And that was one of the third and, and short situations that they ran in. So um, nothing's really going perfectly for this offense. And and I think through the Falcons and Saints wins, I, I know Vikings fans felt it of like, you know, we're winning by the seat of our pants here. And it just, the things just didn't break your way this time. And and O'Connell did say after the game too, we our margin is not big enough to make those kinds of mistakes. They know they're not good enough with who they have available health-wise, talent-wise uh, to make those kinds of mistakes.
0: No, that's very true. And, you know, maybe a little bit of, Reality caught up to Dobbs. It wasn't a bad game any stretch, but it was you know it was his most mediocre game by far. I thought he played a good first half, and you know the NBC broadcasters are like making veiled references to to <laughs> Patrick Mahomes sometimes. I don't know if you caught that. I sure did, and you know it's like all right, guys, slow down. But I, I get it. Like the the playmaking, especially in the red zone, he's made four or five red zone plays that remind you of some of that elusiveness and improvisation, but he just doesn't he didn't really, like he's like he said, didn't really pick up on a lot of those blitzes fast enough, especially in the second half when Denver did start coming at him, especially on that, you know, the last two drives to hold the Vikings to a field goal when a touchdown could have really put the stamp on that game. Or, you know, in that last in that last minute drive, when, you know, realistically they were in still in okay shape. You know, you had a minute three, three timeouts, like, you know, in Denver, you need to get, you know, probably four 35 or 40 yards to have a real shot there and they just didn't move the ball at all
1: no and i still think this offensive line kind of is the interior anyway is who we thought it was and and you saw you know you brought up garrett bradbury there on the last drive getting bowled backwards i saw dalton reisner missing a lot of plays uh Ed ingram um and made some strong plays but then also had some very very negative plays where you lose quickly and get a play blown up there were spots where Ja uh, excuse me josh dobbs is throwing off his back foot or getting hit or, or making some pretty incredible plays the 29 yarder to hawkinson oh, yeah. uh, com- comes when we just lobbed the thing up in the air while couldn't step into it was getting hit and that's pressure from up the middle um the broncos didn't need blitz really much at all in this game and they decided at the end you know what we're not going to risk it we're just going to try and force the issue and the vikings weren't ready for it and i think of the one second to last drive red zone um it's a third and 10 the broncos just uh, they do a zero blitz they send everybody and just man up and um the vikings didn't have an answer for it powell was kind of open over the middle but by then dobbs is kind of running for his life and he said after the game yeah i I need to do a better job at knowing where I'm going and sensing that pressure. And frankly, I think it caught everybody off guard.
0: So, how do we evaluate this one then? Because they have got the Bears next week on Monday night, then they've got the bye week. Like, what more can they do at this point to kind of game plan and feel like, okay, now we have a counter to what other teams are doing versus. Treating this kind of like a one-off where it's like, yeah, well, we still scored 20 points and we turned it over three times. If we don't do that, you know, we probably score in the mid 20s to 30 again and we're feeling good about ourselves.
1: Yeah, this is not I really think that game in Denver is a spot where you miss Kirk Cousins. Like you miss as as great as Dobbs mobility is. He's not as accurate. He's not going to fire into tight windows. He's not going to, and frankly, he's probably being coached to not take as many chances because of how inaccurate he can be. Um, and you saw some of that. He, you saw, he, he just, threw into some very tight windows that I would maybe prefer he didn't throw into on Sunday it, night. Exactly. So maybe that's the correction off this game is do even less of that. Yeah. And, and I thought through the the second half of that game, you saw him taking fewer chances when Justin Simmons almost intercepted him at the start of the game. Um So with Kirk, you know, you, it was, it was much more accurate. It was on time. It was in rhythm. It was hours and hours and months and years together to develop all that chemistry. And that means something when you're talking about, you know, not being comfortable in Denver on prime time. And it's Patrick Sertan who's covering very well. It's, it's, um, Justin Simmons, it's cream Jackson. It's guys who are again, very good at what they do in that secondary. And you still don't have Justin Jefferson. So I think the key for them, is going to be developing a plan around Justin Jefferson for the stretch run of this season and, and figuring out how you can use him in ways that, that lean into Dobbs mobility and try to get the numbers advantage with his uh, with with the threat of his legs and with Justin it's not going to be the 20 yard shots on the dig routes downfield all the time firing into tight windows that Kirk did it's going to have to look different and and that's we've seen this coaching staff evolve this offense so far and I think that evolve that evolution is going to have to continue
0: yeah and there was there was some quick passing game in terms of like you know eight yard curls and stuff like that they didn't seem to do a whole lot of you know kind of some of that you know Behind the line of scrimmage stuff, they didn't. The screen game wasn't really clicking in this game. Although I suppose some of that's if the Broncos are only rushing three or four, the screen's not going to be effective. But it it felt like I'd like to see Addison and Powell get the ball in their hands and just like do some running with it instead of. forcing Dobbs to make as many decisions as he's had to make.
1: And we saw some of that. Uh, Powell had a 22-yarder catch-and-run against the Blitz uh, when the Broncos brought it, one of the few times they brought it earlier in the game. We saw uh, Ty Chandler had a seven-yard screen in the red zone. Um, So we saw a little bit of that. And honestly, look, if, if, if we're talking about a game where the Vikings only commit... Four penalties on offense, only drop one snap, and maybe only commit two of the three turnovers. Yeah. We're talking about a win, and saying, "Boy, isn't this all incredible?" So, I, I think what what we probably have left unsaid too is that the defense played very very well kept them in this game until a bad ending with a rookie corner who was replacing uh, a starter who had been playing pretty well and let's be honest if if a Caleb Evans at six foot two were covering Cam Sutton who's six three on that play it's probably a different outcome too than the five foot eleven Makai Blackman like the Broncos saw that matchup took advantage of it that is what ended up being a big difference maker along with all the miscues on offense uh, that we're talking about.
0: And the curse of Russell Wilson returns. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: right. <laughs> the curse of... And Mike Zimmer's long gone, but that curse is still here.
0: It is. Well, we'll see what happens next week. Vikings at Bears on Monday night, which probably means this will segment will at least be a day later. Um, Andrew, happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you soon. You too, Mike. Thanks. Postscript to my conversation with Andrew. Thanks again for hopping on. Andrew Kramer. Um, Kareem Jackson, who hit... Josh Dobbs, helmet to helmet, not called a penalty during the game. Four-game suspension for that hit and repeated violations of player safety rules. It was announced on Monday. Still can't believe that wasn't called anything on the field. That was the play that Dobbs fumbled on. He went to be evaluated in the concussion tent, came out okay. But, man, that was a brutal, vicious hit. And, you know, justifiably given that four game suspension, it was his first game back after another suspension. He's been in all sorts of trouble this season with the league for the way he's been playing. So, uh, a four game suspension for Jackson and, and well deserved in that case. Poetry time on daily delivery where. <laughs> Woo! Not to spoil it, but I've been promised two different types of poetry on this edition. Um, I've been told there's two haikus and a limerick. A little worried about the limerick, wondering if I'm gonna have to get out the beep button. You never know. We'll see. Um teeth or shot, am I gonna have to get out the beep button?
2: <laughs> when have you ever had to? Don't censor me, man. <laughs> don't, don't you don't you tell me how to write poetry.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh... Well, two, two Vaikus and a Limerick are about what that game against the Broncos would deserve. So please, sir, um, Vaiku haiku number one.
2: Are we blessed or cursed with modern technology? Just shut up, iPad. Now, what are you talking about there? So, as you know, as we've talked about many times, I try to avoid the game and the score. Yeah. <clears throat> because I can't watch it till later.
0: Yeah.
2: Last night I thought it'd be easy, right? Because it's a late game, right? But it was right in the middle of my old man hockey game,
0: right? But I'm at old man. Yeah, which I've been to. I know. I
2: know all about it. And so I went to my my old man hockey game, played the game, a little frustrated, (laughs) scored a goal, but a little frustrated. Whatever. (laughs) We're not going to get into it. Okay. (laughs) Um, And so (laughs) I get home and I get myself all showered up, cleaned up. I'm going to sit there and I'm, I'm, I'm easy to avoid this game, right? Yep. And then I get my iPad because I'm gonna watch it. And then the iPad pops up. Final score. Vikings 20. Denver 21. It's just like you <laughs> stupid piece of technology. You dumb yeah. stupid like this is the one thing I did not want to know. And now you're telling yep. me this. Why yeah. are you telling
0: me this? I don't
2: want to know this.
0: I can't watch a game with that when i know the score i mean I, I i can i guess if like i really want to watch if something good happened or something but if if i know the score it's ruined
2: yeah so all of which is to say i, I just watched the highlights That's i somehow fun. managed to make myself just watch the highlights but so i just it, are we are we better off right we live in a world where we we can't we cannot escape yeah. Unless we go to incredible extremes, we cannot escape this information. We cannot allow ourselves to have space like this anymore. And it's made worse because we are further incentivized to have this technology. We're getting to the point where we can't live without it. Yes. That you I can't I can't walk into a sporting event with an actual paper ticket anymore. Everything's on the phone, always right. all the time. Yes. And so let's not uh, let's not, you know, let's not forget. Maybe there's some folks who still maybe be a little uncomfortable with spending that much money on a phone, right? What do they have to do in life? But we, we're stuck with this technology that's constantly in our face, yeah. and we don't even get time to breathe. And it makes me so angry. And this game was ruined, which I guess at least I got to go to sleep a little earlier. I suppose. Yeah. If
0: if anything was going to get ruined, this was a good one because it was frustrating. It was a game the Vikings kind of had until they didn't. It felt very much like an early-in-the-year game. We'll, we'll give them uh, an occasional one like this. And We do have to remember uh, they had won five in a row without Justin Jefferson, so maybe we can't be too um, too mad about that. But I'd be mad if I was you. I still remember you and I trying to avoid an Olympic hockey score from like 30 years ago when the U.S. was actually like making a weird little run. Was it 90? two when when it was 94 94 94 yeah yep. and we we're trying yeah. to avoid so that have been our senior year trying to avoid a hockey score because then you know then they're playing in the middle of the day but like who who would know who would tell us there's no phone to tell us like it would just be like some teacher who got excited about it and was trying to tell us in the middle of the day and you wanted to go home and watch it later right
2: and you can't do that anymore no. that uh, you, you you talk about spoiler alerts all that kind of stuff but it, whatever and it's a big joke but it's also um, honestly true you cannot avoid the the glut of information even if you want to and it's just depressing that this has to be in your face all the time
0: and i can't even i can barely watch a game with social media open because the feed is like 30 seconds earlier than my tv feed because anyone who's at the game is going to be there is going to be seeing everything a little bit before the TV feed. And my, you know, streaming feeds a little bit behind that. Like there have been times multiple times this year where like someone will like rave about something. I'm like, that hasn't happened yet for me. And that's annoying.
2: I can imagine. So, and and as somebody who doesn't have social media, I'm more thankful each and every day. Anyway, number two.
0: And I'm more thankful every day that you don't have social media. Number two.
2: (laughs) I think the whole world is more thankful. (laughs) I don't have social media.
0: Number right. two, you have anti-social media. Yeah, that's two, very,
2: very anti-social media. All right, number two, just puppets of fate. Free will is an illusion. Enough turnovers.
0: Yeah, I mean, we thought we'd solve this problem, right? Thought we'd solve the problem, and it's—I don't know—like the, I mean, the the first one where Dobbs fumbled. Like that was a terrible play call first of all I I don't know what they're trying to do there um I he gets a helmet to helmet hit they don't call that so whatever and the interception he gets his arms gets hit while he throws like that's gonna happen the Madison fumble just bothered me because I know fumbles are gonna happen but like they they were in control of that game right until that fumble so but yeah three to three nothing turnover battle you can't win that way you can't win that way even though they almost did so I'm merely somebody
2: who comments on football games I don't watch. You're the one who watches these football games. <laughs> you tell me how many games have they would they have won if they had even had one less turnover this year?
0: I mean, I feel like it was a problem for like three or four games in a row at the start of the year. Like the Tampa Bay game, I feel like they win that game if they win the turnover battle or even have one or two fewer turnovers. I feel like the Chargers game, it was still... An issue. I don't think they win the Eagles game. Probably even if they are better in that regard. But like, there have been two or three games this year. They, they, I think, we're we're being not ungenerous to say that they without if they have if they'd been like a marginally better turnover team, they'd be seven and four right now at least instead of six and five. You know, and they they've given they've been better lately. This was like a a, a callback to a worse time, but. I think they'd at least be seven and four if they'd be, be- if they were better with the turnovers. Now yeah, Josh Dobbs uh, will turn the ball over a little bit too. Let's not uh, let's not forget about that. He's lost. I think three fumbles. He had the interception in this game. Can't remember if he'd been picked you, before you, this one. You
2: keep your dirty talk about Josh Dobbs out of your mouth.
0: Okay. Okay. You still love him? You still? I, love him? I I,
2: I you, well, without having watched the game, I certainly don't. the highlights were great. They were amazing. That touchdown pass was yeah. just incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. The he he was like twenty of thirty two or something like that. Or 36 yeah. His, or, his
0: game was good. His first half was very good. His first like two and a half quarters were really good, and then the blitz and stuff caught up to him.
2: So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just saying I I have an affinity for the guy, and I want to see where he goes. And it's gonna it's gonna happen every now and then, right? You are gonna have these turnover games every now and then. I, I, I'm still so angry about that 2009 NFC. Championship second week game.
0: in a row. They lost to Sean Payton. So this is the second week in a row. That you can oh, bring that up.
2: I hate that guy so much. Just hate him. so. Five turnovers. If they had only given up yeah. four turnovers in that game, they would have gone to the Super Bowl and won it. Yes. If they had just been 0-4 in the turnover category, they yes. would have won that stupid game. Yes. And it just drives me insane. All the... yeah. But it's, it's going to happen every now and then. Right. But you're right, early in the season, that's all that seemed to be yes. happening, right? So and this they, is not an yes. every now and then. This is no. a lot.
0: And it's frustrating because they were definitely a better team than Denver. And they just, when you lose the turnover battle, you just negate all of those advantages. Okay, what's, uh, dare I even ask, what's the limerick?
2: All right, here we go. It's time to pause and take stock. It's no, like banging your head no, against a rock. No. no, let me finish. Let me finish. I can't stop hating. Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Sack of lemons
0: uh well I I yeah. couldn't,
2: the problem is I couldn't think of a word that rhymes with stock and rock I think those two words only rhyme with each other yeah so I had to I had to sort of improvise there but yeah, I I couldn't, I couldn't think of, I, hope they I
0: couldn't both. I couldn't think of anything either
2: yeah yeah it just oh those those are there you know Aaron Rodgers okay Aaron Rodgers is his own class right yeah. Aaron Rodgers right. is his own class but if Master we sort class. of put him yeah. if we put him aside has there been two more hateful people in Vikings history over the last 15 or so years
0: The Sean Payton and Russell Wilson I mean they've I mean yeah Payton with 29 2009 and Russell wilson's beaten them like so many times they finally beat him once like a few years ago i think one
2: one single time and he's
0: he's come back on them a few times he had that stupid playoff win the 10-9 blair walsh game just yeah i there's a that's a good question who are the most they're up there they're in the top five for sure i don't know who else i'd put in that category but they are definitely in that mix i agree with that
2: i can't think of anybody else i mean again you know, Aaron yep. Rodgers is his yep. own thing or whatever. If we if we just sort of put him to the side, I am not sure that there are two people who have tortured this team more in the last 15 or so years than than those two. And now that they're together and they yep. did it again, it's just hateful and angry and stupid and
0: wrong. Give them the lemons. Are those guys the most hated in the last 15 years? If you're a Vikings fan, I I, I was struggling to find anyone else who really jumps into that category you know unlike you know aaron Rodgers certainly is in that category but if you have other names of players from this you know past 10 to 15 year era that rise to that list for you find me on you know find me on social media at randball find me on email michael.rand at start to be.com find me and let me know what you think because i'm struggling to come up with anybody else who who fits that category Let us finish with the cooler, by the way. Like I said at the jump, the Eagles won 21-17 over the Chiefs. Um, Everybody buzzing about Marquez Valdez, scandaling, dropping what would have been the winning touchdown, 50-yarder or so in the closing two minutes. Chiefs lose, though. Another thing people are buzzing about, one thing that I just absolutely love from this game, uh, Eagles defensive tackle Jalen Carter. Um tried to intercept a Patrick Mahomes um spike when he was when Patrick Mahomes was trying to just clock the ball with you know late in the half trying to just stop the clock. There was a play where Jalen Carter, defensive tackle for the Eagles, jumped through Uh, Basically, dove underneath the center's legs and tried to intercept the pat, intercept the spike. And he almost got it. It kind of went right through his hands. He said he saw it on the internet. Said he saw that, that tried on the internet. Uh, maybe the internet is good in some ways. I don't know. Maybe that's the one way the internet is good. But I thought that was one of the coolest plays. I hope this becomes a thing. I hope this becomes something where other guys are trying it now, where teams have to be cautious of it so that you know, guys aren't just throwing it softly into the ground, things like that, because that would be the coolest kind of interception. A team is just trying to spike the ball to maybe set up a game-winning field goal, and nope, the nose, the nose tackle shoots through and uh, it catches the spike, and that would be really cool. But he tried it, didn't quite get it, but I hope this becomes a thing and someone gets one somewhere down the line. Speaking of somewhere down the line, that'll do it for me today. Back at it tomorrow with Jeff Day talking Timberwolves. Randy Johnson on Thursday show talking Go for football. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. We'll talk. We'll talk to you then.